You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Just gone 8.34 Central African time after Dinamans are keeping you company. Time to join Anwar Qasim in his segment called Driving with Anwar. Anwar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Tell me how you're doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening. Uh, Anwar, are you there? Okay, it yeah, seems like, uh, yes, uh, we don't have Anwar there and uh, no answer yet. Uh, so uh, Luke Colo is trying to get hold of Anwar. Uh, but yeah, talking about many things happening and uh, December fuel price uh, outlook. Good news for those that are driving with diesel. Yeah, the diesel price has gone there. There's Anwar. He's uh, here. He's here. There's he, full of smiles. Yeah. The lights are working well there. Anwar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, beautiful light, so very, very cool and lovely outside. Ah, lovely to have you, Anwar. And uh, then, uh, you know, the beauty of having you, you're like a two-in-one. You're an economist, uh, you know, you're a lecturer, alhamdulillah. And as I say, you're a world-class uh, mechanic also and an astute businessman. Uh, spring clean your finances. I mean, uh, that's important after seeing, you know, Surul Ramaphosa got billions and billions of dollars from uh, the World Health Organization, from the IMF and so forth, and then he put it under his mattress, and then he still wants to hold on to power and so forth. But uh, let's talk about spring clean your finances. What you can tell us about that, Anwar? You know, sadly enough, Brother Shafat, if you look at the financial status of the average person here in South Africa, and we look at this economy because we, as much as we might sound like a thriving economy, at the same time, our unemployment for the last three years has looked nothing, basically. Companies have closed down. Uh, you know, uh, when it comes to the finance houses, they, they didn't refinance a lot of uh, companies, you know, to, to go on. So a lot of companies actually shut down, which means unemployment rate is not all-time high. And I think we're well aware of that. When it comes to increases, um, fortunately and unfortunately, Fortunately for the government, because in the first few weeks of COVID, when he had the lockdown, he gave his whole parliamentary entourage a 3% increase, and thereafter, I know they had increases thereafter. But he halted increases for civil servants and a lot of other public domains, you know, indefinitely. So basically, the interest rate or, or the, uh, you know, the raise in salary was really limited, yet our inflation rate actually shot through the roof. And, at, you know, when I say inflation rate, I think we all know the price of the cost of living. If you look at oil itself, if you blame the Ukraine war and, you know, the, the price of oil and simply fuel, you know, the, the normal things every, in our everyday life. So, if you had to look at, uh, you know, spring cleaning in a finance way, you know, what all said and done, you know, I think we're all aware that credit cards has the highest amount of interest. And a lot of people play around the credit cards before the month is, has ended, they put the money in, so the, the interest rate is very low and, you know, as such. But obviously, when it comes to the part of the year, depending, a lot of companies actually gives a 13 check or bonus check, as we may actually call it, you know, on the, the person's birthday month. But if we look at an annual type of thing, you know, one needs to actually clear credit cards if they have surplus money. You know, everyone needs to tighten the belt. I, I think, you know, we, we're also fond of hearing it in so many different platforms. But unfortunately, a lot of us don't have that extra money to tighten any belt. You know, so when they say tighten the belt, 
limit, eating out as such, you know, when it comes to a bond, if you have extra money, I mean, our bond rate has gone up, and at a million dollars, now you are paying 1,200% extra for the bond. So that is a long-term loan. A vehicle is a note that has a long-term loan. But when it actually comes to uh, your credit cards and all the in-house financing, all those privatized guys, where you actually pick up, you know, a quick finance, you know, with high interest rate, those are the people that, those are the institutions that need to be settled very, very fast because interest accumulates on those establishments. So I'm going to brush you out, you know, if those who have like, somebody in a nutshell, you know, pay off your, uh, your credit card first and foremost. You know, they say always budget for a rainy day. You know, have goals, set goals in life. If you want to buy a house, I always advise people, you know, if you can save for the next year an X amount of money, then obviously it becomes viable for you to afford a bond. But you'd rather put a bigger down payment than taking a 100% bond. Likewise, when it comes to purchasing a car. So if you tighten up your balance a little when it comes to finances, get to save some money and reach your goals, inshallah, at the end of the day, set yourself, uh, you know, time limits. You know, time is important, especially if you're setting goals. You know, then I, I think, you know, a fairly, you know, I think we'll do relatively well. You, you just take those few precautionary measures. Yeah, well done there, Anwar. And also you look at a December fuel price outlook. And uh, good news if you have a diesel vehicle. I mean, it's, uh, like a yoga story, this, you know, it said, oh, yeah, diesel price will go up. Now it's going down. Talk to us on what's going on here. You know, it's so funny because a lot of conversations I had with people and everyone predicted this because a lot of companies will be closing, which means the, the, the buying power of diesel actually dropped because a lot of companies obviously closed in December. You know, a lot of the fleet companies and such, every day relaxing time for people. And we call it the silly season anyway. You know, so if you really consider, it was expected for the diesel price to drop down. And obviously a lot of tourists will be, you know, in the province reacting and going and, you know, traveling. So obviously we expected of the increase in fuel. So our government once again did not disappoint us much about he can blame the Ukraine war, he can blame everything. As our previous shows we mentioned, you know, uh, about three years ago, our government made out of just on petrol sales 80 billion. Just on petrol sales. So I, I will still say it again, you know, if even if our government dropped the price of fuel by five rand, he will still make a profit. The road accident fund will still have the money, you know, the, the garages will still get the money for storage, for transport, everyone. All the government has to do is drop it by five rand. He still makes a profit, but he will never do that. Instead, he goes, and as you mentioned, the yo-yo effect, he will actually play with the people's pockets, you know, and pick up the price of fuel in every team's foot. But he can hide all his money at, at the outset of the show, as you mentioned, in all his so-called lucrative furniture that was bought by X, Y, and Z. You know, so unfortunately, Rashafat, we know the diesel price is going to go down. Just over a van. Uh, petrol price, obviously, I, I think 93 and 95 is going up to something like 27 cents and 23 cents. So, but that hasn't been really confirmed as yet. You know, the people are still waiting and uh, almighty knows what they try to confirm and what theories they actually use. And to come to the assumption that this is going to be the set price for fuel, knowing that the government makes so much of money, I can't understand why they can't cut off a few rents from the government's budget and let the poor person, especially if it's December, let the poor person out there, the layman out there, gain or benefit a little from the fuel price. So maybe then you, we can actually have a budget to tighten our belts with. Yeah, the fuel price story, and uh, then, you know, Russia is offering fuel, and our country is part of BRICS, and, you know, 
Why don't we see that the BRICS benefit, uh, you know, helping South Africa out? Uh, you know, the Americans are already, with the Ukrainian uh, saga, already caused havoc in this world and mayhem. Uh, and what may be your thoughts? You know, as you mentioned previously, you know, 60% of the country is foreign-owned. So when it, when you have to consider fuel, the person who makes the most amount of fuel is the European countries. So end of the day, it's a game game or win-win situation for them. It's a win-win situation for our government itself. But it's a lose situation for the people, the, the laymen out there in South Africa. You know, there is so many ways you can alter. And once before, we did mention South Africa, the reason we have this yo-yo effect when it comes to fuel is because our reserve is less than three months. And it was mentioned previously also, America has a reserve of fuel for over two years. So we are the only country. So obviously, we find month in and month month out, there will be a fluctuation because we buy as it deems fit, and the moment it's used up, I mean, not very long. I think last week it was, uh, we find that uh, ESCOM is running out of diesel. I mean, what forecast is that? They're supposed to put in lights. Obviously, we're supposed to pick up the economy. They talk about the fourth industrial revolution. Oh, but at the same time, they're doing load sharing on an all-time high. So obviously, the talks does not justify exactly what they are doing in this country. So when it comes to the fuel price, unfortunately, until we don't have a different regime, uh, intelligence regime running our country, we are not going to actually, you know, um, look for a brighter future. We are just going to, you know, think the way we are thinking right now, and I think a lot of us have already reached the bottom, thanks to the government we have at present. You know, when you say thanks uh, to the government we have in presence, uh, you know, you know tongue-in-cheek there. But uh, between you and I, when you look at the apartheid government, you know, they were visionary. They uh, even had these, uh, you know, tanks where they used to store oil, uh, I mean, and petrol and so forth. And uh, then they had Sassel, you know, they gave us Sassel, they had Kuburg. I mean, they were on top of the game, Anwar. They were really on top of the game. And suddenly... You know, when uh, the, the democratic uh, government came, everything was given to them on a plate. And within split seconds, they had everything gone into cinders and ashes, Anwar. No, very true. If you look at the infrastructure that was given to our government, it was a perfectly fine infrastructure. I don't remember growing up with potholes on the freeways. You know, I was heavy enough to have uh, improvised and improved, you know, areas in the settlements or England as such. But still, that improvement does not justify the expenditure. There's billions of rands actually going to waste, and every single day we open the news, and somewhere along the line, somebody is caught for fraud in the government department. And obviously, they let loose thereafter. You know, so if you really look at it, all they had to do is maintain and improve the infrastructure that was given to the present government. But unfortunately, they never did that. The only thing they so-called brought about is democracy. And Brother Shafat, you know, truth be told, 28 years ago, I was, a, I was much younger, just finished metric. I was the one, every time they had this ANC rallies in town, I went, I carried banners. I used to take people from Springer Beach, used to go because we lived the apartheid era. We knew it was harsh on everyone. You know, we went out of felt the full might of it, but at the end of the day, we all were part of the apartheid era. So everyone looked for improvement, but really speaking, the justification what the government, present government gives us right now is really not what I carry the flag for. And that is disappointing in majority of the people's hearts in South Africa. And if you really consider, it's not the government that actually builds the country. The government is entrusted to the people's money to utilize it to benefit the people of the country. Does he do that? Presently, no. 
You know, all he does is he smiles, he puts his hand on the cheek, and he thinks where his next couple billion is in a country where which country is putting it in. And that is the third. You know, so it disappoints you, Baal Shafat, that, you know, we have taken a beautiful country and messed it up. Ah, one of the best in Africa. And today, yeah, it's another story. Well, I'm looking at this BMW, uh, what's this, the 325IS uh, Evo 2 Kusheshe is in mint condition. And it's uh, to be auctioned in Johannesburg. What's so great about this uh, BMW 325 uh, uh, IS? Uh, talk, to, talk to us about that, Anwar. You know, we had the BMW 325 IS was an iconic, legendary vehicle. Uh, if you look at the 333, a little history about BMW. Triple three, only 250 of these vehicles came to South Africa. When it comes to the Evo 2, the BMW 325 IS Evo 2, as they call it, you know, only 500 were made. You know, so obviously the iconic vehicles, and the reason there was so much a hype that this said vehicle actually hit the news and spoke about auction in Johannesburg is because there's very few in this position that is actually around. And most of the vehicles, especially most of the BMW owners, you know, the enthusiasts, now, these cars became collective items, fetching anywhere between 750 to a million rand. If we look at the said vehicle that we are talking about, there's no reserves left on it because the owner of the vehicle is actually expecting to get over a million rands for it. It's got 160,000 k's on the top. This vehicle was manufactured in 1990, you know, so I mean, to be in pristine condition, it has full service history. And obviously for a BMW, I think we all know the motors are quite solid. It was a straight six motor, you know, and it pushed 145 kilowatts, but 10 kilowatts more than the Evo 1. So it was a very fast vehicle, 0 to 107.3 seconds. So it was a very beautiful looking vehicle. It used to hold onto the road. And I think it made its name, you know, after the movie, Fast and Fields, you found that a lot of drifting takes place with this vehicle because it was a really small rear wheel drive. Now, if you had a look at the vehicles of today, obviously, you, you find that most of the vehicles are front-wheel drive. I drive a CLA Mercedes. That is a front-wheel drive. It's a largely big vehicle, but it's a front-wheel drive. Uh, I had more confidence in a rear-wheel drive and BMW itself. If you look at this BMW, being as small as it was, it was a rear-wheel drive. So it had a beautiful traction in the back. You know, it kept the car together. So a very, very beautiful, as I mentioned, iconic vehicle. So under, you know, I, I suppose the owner who has treasured this vehicle had it parked up most of the time in the garage, you know, and like he will get his price because I, I admire anyone who look after their stuff, especially when it comes to vehicles. I love to see a vehicle that is standard. I love to see a vehicle that is well-maintained. You know, I, I don't like the thrills and furs and all those aftermarket, uh, you know, items that is put onto a vehicle. Even my vehicles, I, I, I'm not one to fancy a runoff for rooms, the interns, dropping suspension. I love a vehicle the way it is, and this said vehicle has exactly that. It is a standard vehicle, exactly the way it was pulled up from the factory. So I'm sure, you know, when it comes to this vehicle, hopefully you know, the, the owner of this vehicle gets his size he's asking for. Yeah, and well, uh, you talk about the, uh, you know, real uh, rear wheel drive. So you have to have a shaft to get your rear wheel working. And uh, front wheel, you you don't have that shaft, isn't it, Anwar, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, most definitely, the shaft really grows. You know, when it comes to uh, this, if you look at the double car, or you look at the 4x4s itself, you know, you, you find that if you look at the Subaru, a good example is Subaru, it runs on four-wheel drive all the time. 
you know. And then you, you look at the bucket itself, you'll see four by four. And you can actually run for two wheels or four wheels because it has two differentials. One different controls the back that will actually be on permanent, and then one in the front. So you get all four wheels uh, together. So they found enough of the vehicles now, actually sports vehicles, actually coming out with four wheel drive because they found that it had better traction, better takeoff, you know, especially when it comes to racing vehicles, and better handling on those vehicles, but also very expensive. I remember being a Jeep Cherokee many, many years ago. This vehicle was brought to me on the road back from Swaziland. And we couldn't get sales for the Cherokee at that period of time. It was a fairly new vehicle. So we did something called a silent diff. So the front, we took all the guts from the inside, meaning the car and pinion, and we had the prop connected to basically nothing. You know, and we filled up oil on the stuff, so it was running free. So it was only a rear wheel drive. It was never a four wheel drive thereafter, you know, because of spares. And even now, if you look at the cost of uh, the differential spares, you know, especially on 4x4, it's quite high. You know, so it all depends once again on the vehicle maintenance and such you know and if you look after anything the Shafat say nothing mechanical is bound to break and wear and tear but given the time frame you can actually prolong a lot of these uh, just lives you know yeah and what, you talk uh, so much about computer boxes in the car and the chips and this and that but uh, this uh, topic here really is mind-boggling, and uh, you know who better than you to discuss? Uh, I mean, I, I I know you like things like this. It says Elon Musk, Neuralink uh, hopes to implant a computer in uh, human brains in six months. Anwar, this is unreal. This is frightening. Talk to us. You know what scares me about Elon Musk, you know, on a personal note, is he, he, he tends to be God-fearing on one side, and, and one, uh, one a part of him, you believe he's an atheist. So it's hard to believe exactly what he is, because he's dwelling into something basic, you know, that's reaching levels and heights that is far more grasping, you know, to the human mind, because... In the intellect of him, fair enough, he has traveled to wherever it is in his space shuttles. Fair enough, he came up with all this, you know, hybrid vehicles and this, you know, this battery uh, life type of things. But the fact of the matter, he, he predicts, according to the company, he came up with this one system called the BCI implants, right, where he will actually, a computer, a robot will actually do this, not even the human hand. They will actually, the robot will come, he'll create a hole in your skull and implant a chip, basically, or a small mini computer in your brain that is infected mostly by a stroke or such, you know, and uh, it will actually overlap. So you have an external computer that will actually tell the body functions, okay, this is what needs to work, when it needs to work. So you program the chip and the chip will be in your brain. The only time you actually need to take out the chip is to recharge it and put it back. So he feels it can actually be done in a casualty world. That is the improvements or the advancement he's looking at. He has created, he feels he, he has created three different aspects of it. One is for the brains, when it comes to the neurology part of it. One is for the spine, when a person has spinal injury. And one is for uh, the sight. He believes that even if a person is born without eyesight, has never seen in his life, he can restore the eyesight. So those are, you know, are vaguely put godly terms, Brother Shafar. So sometimes you wonder whether a person should actually dwell so deep in, you know, to say there's a dark side of the world, you know, and you need to be careful what you venture in. Now, so far he's been doing this in chimps, as we know, the primates itself, all this testing where he's giving them this so-called artificial intelligence and where they can actually use computers 
You know, and he seems to be very happy with himself, with the outcome, with the outlook, and, you know, all his scientists is coming back to him with all this data, telling him, you know what, in the next six months, we'll be ready for it. But also at the same time, there's a chase to answers because there's a lot of companies internationally that's also changing the same thing. So I'm not really sure whether he accomplished this or not. You know, um, many years ago, uh, I, I watched a documentary, and a lot of people, stroke victims especially, you know, and that is very common amongst all people, is stroke. And that is a knock in the brain or a blood clot in the brain, as you may know it. And there was a sleeping tablet, you know, it was called Zobatan, as you remember at that time, that is a prescription 5 drug. And if you took a little dosage of it, for the period of time, it unblocks that part of the brain, and the person has full function of that bodily function that ceases to exist and he did have the stroke but it's only for a limited period of time you know and it also brings me to mind you know the Japanese itself many many years ago I think it was late uh, 80s where they created these capsules in a warehouse and if a person died of cancer for word's sake they believe that you know they will extract all the organs of this person obviously they've got to be wealthy to actually be encased in one of these capsules and when a cure for that uh, that cancer, whatever it was that person passed away with, is found, they feel they can put all the body parts back together and the body will, the person will be resumed back to life again. So they have no funeral for such person. So I, whether Elon Musk is dwelling in something so far-fetched, I really don't know, Barashafa. When it comes to artificial, artificial intelligence, I'm all for it. Uh, uh, obviously, new age, new era. I mean, we didn't know. 30 years ago, there'd be cell phones that would dictate our lives. We didn't know there have vehicles that would control itself. We didn't know airplanes could fly itself. But 30 years later, all of a the advancements has come thus far that it makes one imagine whether the human itself, a child could be born, and whether they'll replace the child's brain with some artificial intelligence where the child will live maybe a couple hundred years. So it's sad, or it's disappointing to know, you know, to a point they are dwelling in such things, Barishafar. Because not a moment less than a moment more, it is said, you know, in every religion. So when a person like Elon Musk comes, so it's something to worry about, I suppose. Yeah, maybe the devil himself. But, you know, we looked at the Quran and Shaitan said, I will change, uh, you know, the form of man and this and that. And you can see everything is being fast forwarded. And as you said, the artificial intelligence and uh, uh, all these things coming to the fore. But uh, what it's doing, they're trying to dilute, uh, take uh, uh, God out of the equation, taking, uh, you know, religion out of the equation so that they can uh, uh, groom uh, youngsters that will be oblivious of the creator, but having more faith in the uh, chips and the, uh, you know, this, uh, this, this chips of what you call, it, not that chips that we eat, but these chips that we use in uh, microchips and so forth. All those things are taking the kids away from that, which is also, you know, uh, a very unhealthy situation that we're faced with. But uh, perhaps, Anwar, you know, a man of uh, your wisdom, when you look at all this coming to the fore, what goes through your mind, and especially when you look at the silly season, any tips from your from you on how to... Uh, Keep the kids occupied. And uh, number two, uh, you know, uh, what to do with your vehicle or, you know, looking at the incidents of uh, hijacking and uh, robberies and kidnapping. Perhaps uh, the best thing will be park the car off. And what's your thoughts? You know, when it comes to silly season of worship parties, I've actually told my kids, I said, you're going to go to a lot of drives, a lot of in-house eating, where we'll buy things, we'll make unusual things. Uh, malls will be a no-go zone 
unless it's necessary, because obviously these are the times that these actually shows their faces more frequently because they also need some form of bonus. Uh, road accidents rates actually picks up at this period of time because alcohol is so freely sold all over the show. Uh, so there's a lot of disadvantages to the season. When it comes to the atmosphere, you tend to feel a part of something. It was like when we had the World Cup, you know. Uh, you find that togetherness, everyone is somehow happy at December. A lot of people don't really have reason to be, but somehow there's a smell on the face. I, I suppose all those Christmas decorations in all the malls to attract all customers, you know, to finish the last few games, you know. So I, I think, you know, the silly season is more a lie. Uh, it is very, very fake because your life goes on. You get to wake up, make sure for that, and be grateful for that. Uh, better your life in every possible way. Don't do foolish things out there. Don't try any new tricks out there. I mean, if you look at, uh, you, you get the smoking dens nowadays. You know, thanks to our government once again, I must praise him because he has made certain, uh, Dhaka has made called, uh, you know, or substances legal. They can legally smoke it, you know, in takeaways and such. And, you know, I find that this is better personally. You know, so we have dropped our social models. And uh, when it comes to my family, I, I feel it's everyone's responsibility. The only support the individual mother and father to look after the kids, irrespective of how big they are. I believe if your kids are under your roof, it is your responsibility. And you are the head of the house, in the sense, don't throw authority around. But throw around togetherness. Do things together. I know I got a cannon board, and every now and again we really board. We take out a cannon board, and we play, and we have so much of fun, and not knowing hours pass by. You know, we'll take out Monopoly for work's sake. We, there's a lot of things people can do. You know, they need to jump in your car, waste a fuel, go to a mall, spend the money, come home, and realize that Alpha does not fit. We need to go back to exchange it. It's not necessary, Bershafan. You, you don't need to be a part of the flock. You know, because it's the season to go out there and make sure you buy this assorted biscuits, you know, that we're all breaking, you know what I'm talking about. Buy all these chocolates, you know, and you'll find them, you know, uh, full onto your face at every shopping mall, you know, especially when you go to any of these uh, stores. You don't need to be a part of it. I believe, you know, every day is a special day. You get to breathe this air. You get to wake up in the morning and appreciate just the day. You don't appreciate the month. Appreciate the day that you wake up because we don't know if we'll wake up tomorrow morning. So likewise, when it comes to your kids, if you don't instill what's righteous in them now, you know, they're going to grow up. They, inshallah, they will have kids. What will happen to their kids if you so freely gave them freedom to do what they want? I just feel, you know, as a parent, you just have to think sometimes for your kids, even if they get a little offended, but obviously it's for the benefit of those children. So just to come to your kids, find things to do around the home, paint your house, do do something. There's always something to keep yourself occupied with the Shafat. Well said, Dan. What and uh, you know, agree with you. And Alhamdulillah, you're going to have a beautiful, lovely evening ahead. And uh, stay blessed, Anwar. Really enjoyed having you on uh, your segment there, driving with Anwar on after dinner mints. Inshallah, talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And what Kasim there? Time for us to go for the Ishazan, and Inshallah, we will continue after that.